Okay, we begin with Paidic by Matt Taimnen. We're starting a new Paidic. And in the beginning here, it discusses the halachas of Atmana for Shabbos. We had this Indian brought up in the Gemara a few times before, but let me uh, again mention what is the general rule benigayat atmana on Shabbos. The concept of atmana is insulating your food for Shabbos, to remain warm, of course. So generally speaking, there are the two basic halachas benigayat atmana. There is atmana on Erev Shabbos, and there's atmana on Shabbos. Now, atmana on Erev Shabbos is permitted as long as you're doing the atmana the insulating is happening in a substance that's not massive hevel. It does not increase the heat of the food that you're insulating. If you're doing the atmana in something which is massive hevel, so then Chachamim will geyser that you should not do the atmana in such a substance. And we'll see, we'll see soon the reasons, we'll see in the Patek over here the reasons for this. Um, so that's when you get to the atmana on Erev Shabbos. Not allowed to insulate in something which is massive hevel. Then you have that mana in something which is not sorry. Then you have that mana on Shabbos. That mana on Shabbos itself is completely aser. Chachamim will not to insulate any foods on Shabbos itself, and the reason simply is because if a person comes to do that mana on Shabbos itself, he may find his food not to be properly hot the way he wants it. And he might come to heat up his food on Shabbos. So Atmana on Shabbos is totally yaseh. This Mishnah here that we're going to begin with right now at the beginning of the Patek is going to discuss Atmana on Erev Shabbos where there's the distinction between those substances that uh, add to the heat uh, and, uh, or those substances that just maintain the heat of the food. Zakta Mishnah with what is a person allowed to do that mana of hot foods? And with what is a person not allowed? He wants to preserve the heat, but not increase the heat. Talk to Mishnah. So you're not allowed to do that mana, not in gefes, which is the pulp of either olives or of... Um, uh, of olives or of uh, sesame seeds, as we'll see in the Gemara. The Gemara will discuss exactly what gefes is. bezevel, and not in menor, bemelech, and not in salt, bezid, and not in sid is, is um, lime, and bemelech, and not in uh, sid, sorry, that is, and not in the sand. Bein lachin, bein yevation. These substances, whether they are moist, whether they are dry, a person is not allowed to do any hatmana. Because they increase the heat. And not, the person is not allowed to do that tmona. In tevin and straw, and not in the leftover grape skins. After a person finishes squeezing out the wine, and not with muchin, which is all kinds of materials that are usually used for the stuffing of a blanket or a pillow, whether it's cotton, whether it's... Um, uh, worn out clothing or different kinds of materials that are used for that purpose. And not with grass. When these materials, when these substances are moist, they increase the heat. But you are allowed to do the atmana in these substances if they are dry because then it doesn't increase the heat. The question was asked. Gefes. What kind of gefes are we talking about here? Gefes. Shall Zaysentnan is the Mishnah talking about the Gefes, 
the pulp that's left over from the olives, and those are Mysif Hevel, they increase the heat, and that's forbidden to do that monin. Avil the Shumshimin, but the pulp from the sesame seeds, Shaper Dami, that's allowed, that doesn't increase the heat as much. Oidilme, the Shumshimin Tanan, when the Mishnah here talks about uh, the Gefes, the pulp, it even is talking about the pulp of sesame seeds as well. It also increases the heat enough that it should be asked to do at in the kol And if the pulp of the sesame seeds is forbidden, most definitely the pulp of the zesim increase the heat even more and it'll be asr. Tashama, the Gemara brings a statement of Rab Zayde, said in the name of one of the students by Rab Yanai, Kupa Shatomambo, if you have a bax where you did hatmana, you placed a pot of food inside this box, which is, I guess, insulated with muchen, with blankets, or whatever it is. You're not allowed to take that box and then place it on the top of gefes. On the top of, uh, and, the, and, the, and the statement over here specifically spells out, gefes shall zeisim. You can't place it on the top of the pulp of, of the olives, not of the sesame seeds. Okay, so now what the Chiddush over here in this case is, although the insulation of the pot in this kupa, in this box, is with something which is not Moisif Hevel, it doesn't increase the heat, but if you then go ahead and place it on top of the Gefes Shalzeisen, which does increase the heat, this is going to be considered a Hatmone, that's Moisif Hevel, from the Zeisen and the bottom, and therefore you're not allowed to do this Hatmone. But the point is that here it specifically identifies Gefes Shalzeisen, so that's the chat of the gefes. We're not talking about shumshum. We're not talking about the gefes of sesame seeds. So this seems to prove that in the Mishnah, the gefes refers to the gefes of zesim. And for the Gemara, no, it's not a raya. I can still say, when it comes to actually insulating the entire pot of food from all sides, with this material of gefes, so then that that atmana that gefes includes even the atmana of shumshimin of the sesame seeds. It's hot enough; it will increase the heat enough that it should be forbidden. Nami but leinian bag on daf memches we're holding leinian asuke havla. But when it comes to putting the zesim at the bottom or putting the source of the hatmana at the bottom, which will increase the heat by radiating that heat from the bottom. The pulp of the olives from the bottom will radiate the heat upwards. But the pulp of the sesame seeds will not radiate heat from the bottom. So the difference between the zesim and the shumshimen is only regarding radiating the heat from the bottom. That statement of Rabzeda. But regarding our Mishnah that talks about insulating the pot fully from all sides with this gefes, we can still say that our Mishnah includes both the Gefes of Zaysim and even the Gefes of Shumshimin of the sesame seeds, which has a lesser amount of, uh, of increasing the heat. Rabbe and Rabzeide found themselves on Shabbos at the house of the Reish Galusa. So they saw the servant there, the Anach Kuza de Maya. He placed a jug of water, a puma de kumkuma, on top of a kettle. Okay, so we're discussing over here placing something on top of gefes in order to use the heat from the bottom to radiate and to 
keep it warm. So over here, the Gemara discusses a similar case that they saw their servant placing a jug of water on top of a kettle to get the heat from the kettle. Nazye Rabba, Rabba. Rabba protested. Rabba was upset, was, was, uh, was uh, not happy with this Hanhoga uh, on Shabbos. Amalei Rabzeide, so Rabzeide questioned, why was uh, Rabba? And he said, why, why are you upset about this? Maishno, what's the difference from another case in a Braisa that we learned? And this is a Braisa that's brought here at the end of this Pedic. Mimeicham al Gabimecham. In the Braisa it says, you may place a kettle on top of another kettle to, for, for the heat. You want to have the, the kettle on the bottom is hot, then you're allowed to place another kettle on top of it. That's what it said in Abraisa. So if you're allowed to place one kettle on top of another kettle, why shouldn't you be allowed to place a jug of water on top of a kettle? Amalei, so Rabbi answered him, no, the difference is obvious. Hossam in that Braisa, what is it speaking about? Aikumi kamoikim. Over there, he's taking a hot kettle of water, and he's placing it on top of another hot kettle of water. He's just trying to preserve the heat. He's not heating it up. So because it's not, there's no real atmana here, it's already hot and there's no atmana. He's just placing it on top of another kettle. So that's allowed on Shabbos. But over here, Hacha, what this servant was doing, placing the jug on top of the jug of water on top of the kettle, kamailit. He's heating it up. He took a, a, a jug of cold water and he's placing it on top of the kettle and he wants to heat it up on Shabbos. How's he allowed to do that? So the Taisus here explains that Lechayre, this is so obvious that it's Osir. You're not allowed to put a cold jug of water on top of a hot kettle in order to heat it up on Shabbos. It's Mamish Bishel. What was the Bechlal the Sfar of Rabzeire when Rabzeire was wondering why Rabbi protested? So Taisus over here explains the Pshar is that he, he never, the servant did not put it on top of the kettle in order to heat it up. He just put it on there to take away the coldness, a little bit, to warm it up a little bit. But it was, he was going to take it off in advance before it will get totally heated up. So therefore, Abzaida thought that that's permitted, similar to that case in that Braise, where you put one hot water of hot kettle on top of another, you're not, there's no bishul being done, so you're allowed to place it on top and there's no issue of atmana. So over here, since his intention was not to do any bishul, he was going to take off the cold water before it heats up. So since there's no atmana involved, it's allowed. So Rabbi tells him, no, if the water is already hot, you're allowed to put it there. If, you, if the water is cold, even if you're just putting it there because you want to warm it up a little bit, you're not allowed. The person might come to leave it there. We had this already before. The person might come to leave it there. You're not allowed to put it on Shabbos. Another thing happened then. He then saw again another thing that the servant did. The paras da studer de kuba. He placed some kind of a handkerchief or some kind of a turban as a covering on top of a barrel. Of a wine barrel, maybe. And then he placed a ladle of wine on top of this covering. On Shabbos, this is what he did on Shabbos. Is there anything wrong with this? Is there any problem with using a turban as a cover for a barrel and then placing a ladle there? Nazi Rabbah, but Rabbah protested. Rabbah said, no, you shouldn't be doing this on Shabbos. So again, Rabzeda said, what's the problem? Watch, watch and see what's going to happen. You're going to see what the issue here is. So in the end, they saw that the servant took this turban when he removed it from the, from the barrel and he was squeezing it out because it was a turban. He didn't want it to be wet and it got wet. He put it on the barrel and there was a ladle there. It got wet and therefore he was squeezing it out. 
So, oh, so now you saw that there's an issue, that you're going to come to Schita, you're squeezing it out on Shabbos, which you're not allowed. What's the difference of the Farnuka? Farnuka are rags that are made to be covered on a barrel. That's what they use to cover. So the question is, does this mean now that we're not allowed to use a rag to cover the barrel? We are. You can cover a barrel on Shabbos with a rag that's designated for it. So what's the difference? Why the rag you're not allowed? And this turban that was used is going to be a problem. Amalei Rabbah explained to him, Regarding this farnuka that's made as a covering for the barrel, he's not machbit if it gets wet. That's what it's made for. So therefore he's not going to come to squeeze it out on Shabbos. But Hocha over here, using a handkerchief, a turban, to cover your barrel, kapadilavei. He doesn't want it to be wet, so therefore he's going to come to squeeze it out. So therefore on Shabbos, you're not allowed to use a garment or a handkerchief or any clothing to cover a barrel because you might come to squeeze it out. We learned in the Mishnah that you should not use straw and you should not use muchin, which are the stuffings that are used for blankets and pillows as a... Um, uh, as a hatmana uh, on Shabbos, if they are moist, but if they are dry, you're allowed to use them. Ask the question from Abaye. So these muchen that he did the hatmana in them on Shabbos. Are you allowed to move them on Shabbos? They are really on their own, they should be muktzah because. They are designated for whatever, whatever you have to prepare them for, to be used for blankets and for pillows. So therefore it's designated for that and it's, it's raw materials that hasn't been used. So these kinds of raw materials are mukts on Shabbos. So the question now is, but you use them now for atmana. So you're not, seemingly you're not going to use them anymore for your pillows and blankets to stuff them. So now once you use them for that atmana, are you allowed to move it on Shabbos? Amalei... So Abai answered, no, not a lot, Because this individual does not have a box filled with hay, which was, or straw, which was, was generally used to do the atmana. He doesn't have that available. So are we going to say that now when he's using temporarily these muchen to do his atmana, he's being mafke them, he's not planning on using these muchen for stuffing his blankets or whatever purpose it's usually designated for. He's not mafka them. He's still planning and using them for their intended purpose. So therefore, they're still considered to be raw materials that are made to use for something else, and therefore they're mukta. So therefore, they still they, they retain their status of mukta even after you temporarily are using it for atmana. We have a b'raise that brings a riot to this din. It says, You're allowed to do atmana in wool that was just sheared from an animal, fresh wool that's, that, that's uh, just been sheared from an animal. Or you can also do the atmana in mats of combed wool, or or in strips of, uh, of wool that's, that is our gomon, that has already been, uh, it's already been uh, dyed. And also in these mochen that we're talking about over here, the, the raw materials that, that's, that's used for, for blankets and pillows. And then the B'raisa says, And you're not allowed to move them on Shabbos. It becomes mochen on Shabbos. So very clear, we see right over here that these mochen 
once the even after they're being used for the hatmana, it still is going to be muktza. So the Gemara, no, this is not a raya. Imishumha loy irya. This case over here is not a raya. Why? Hachi What this brayse is saying is as follows: You have to read the, the brayse in two separate statements. Im loy taman behen. If you did not do hatmana with them, then aimetaltelanoisam. Then you're not allowed to move them on Shabbos. The Bryce is telling you two separate halachas. Number one, it's telling you that you could do that money with these materials because they're not mice of Hevel. Another halacha the, the Bryce is telling you, and if you did not do Atmana with them, so then they're muktza. They're raw materials, and all these raw materials are muktza. Remember, if they're stam raw materials, so the kula alma it's muktza. What would be the chiddush of this Bryce? And for the Gemara, Mao the Tame, I would think These raw materials, although they're intended uh, for you other uses, you're gonna take the wool that you shared from an animal and then make uh, material to be used for garments out of it. But I would think even these raw materials are fit for use as they are. They can be used when you are eating and you want to lean on something. That you can be leaning on them. So therefore, they would not be mukti even as they are in their raw state. Kamash Malan. So therefore, the Braisa tells me not that they are still Mokza. So now we were talking, we're talking about these Mokhin here. So the Gemara is going to discuss uh, whether you can use these Mokhin on Shabbos to, uh, to actually stuff your pillows and your blankets with them. Rav Chizda allowed to return these stuffing to, into a pillow on Shabbos. So the question is, the issue is, are you being masak and mana? Are you fixing a uh, utensil? You're fixing something and preparing something which is makib, patish, and shabbos by stuffing these pillows and shabbos. So Rav Chista allowed it. The Gemara asks a question on this. So he asked a question from the following b'raise. It says, Matirim when you have the the, uh, the opening of the neck for a garment, so the, as Rashi here says, the custom of the uh, cleaners was that they would tie it closed after they would wash the clothing, and that's how they would prepare it and deliver it. Closed, and the neck was closed. So you're allowed to open that back up in Shabbos, because it was a neck that was already open, it was just temporarily tied closed, and you're not creating this garment now on Shabbos, so you can do that on Shabbos. But if you have a garment that the opening for the person's neck for the, the, was not made yet, so you're not allowed to open that on Shabbos. Because you're creating the garment. This is mamish makib patish. muchin, and then the b'raisa clearly says, you're not allowed to place the muchin, the stuffings, not into a pillow and not into a blanket, and needless to say that you're not allowed to do this on Shabbos. So it's very clear that this is forbidden. This is mamish makib apatish. So how did Rav Chista allow to return the stuffing into a, plank, a blanket or into a pillow? And for the Gemara, there's a difference. Ha ha This Brais was speaking about a new pillow, a new blanket, where you're stuffing it for the first time. Rav Chista, which allowed to return it, was uh, was uh, allowing this in a case where it's been there before. It's an old blanket, an old old pillow, and it came out. It was taken out, and you're just returning it. So that's not makib patish. Tanya Namiyachi, This is what we learned in Abrais. You're not allowed to place the stuffing. Not into a pillow or a blanket. Needless to say, you're not allowed to do this on Shabbos. But Nashru, if they fell out, if the stuffing came out, 
you're allowed to return it b'shabes, or needless to say, you can return it on yamtif. So since we brought up this concept over here of uh, opening the neck in a garment on, on Shabbos, so the Gemara is going to bring up another thing, uh, another detail regarding this halacha. But before I continue further, let me just mention a very, very practical and relevant thing that you see here from this Gemara. It says here regarding the stuffing of a pillow in a blanket that you're not allowed to put it in when it's new, but you're allowed to put it back if it came out on Shabbos. So one of the applications for this is, is the shoelaces. And there's others as well, places in the Rishayim and the Paiskim discusses over here, but shoelaces. Are you allowed to put shoelaces into your shoes on Shabbos? So if they're new for the first time, that's makivapatish. You're creating the use of the shoes, you're not allowed. But if it fell out, if the shoelaces fell out, and it could simply and easily be put back in, you're allowed to return them back on Shabbos. A person that makes the opening for a neck and a garment for the first time on Shabbos, this is makivapatish. And therefore, it's chichi of chatos. So the question here is asked, maskev lo rav kahanem, ma benzeh lemegufas chavis? What's the difference between this case, where you chayev chatos, and the case of removing a lid from a barrel? And Rashi here says, there's a clear b'raisa later on in the Gemara, and Davkuf Memvav, that says that you're allowed to remove a lid from a barrel on Shabbos, even if it's tightly affixed, to the barrel, you're still allowed to remove it on Shabbos. L'chayr, you're also creating the use of the barrel. It's also makkeh b'patish. What's the difference? Amalei Rave, so Rave answers, Zeh chibur, v'zeh eine chibur. Here we're talking about taking one garment, which all the threads are one entity, they are connected to each other, and you're creating that opening within that one garment. That is makkeh b'patish. You're creating a usage of this garment. Mashenki, when it comes to the case of the barrel, the barrel has a lid that's connected to it. You're not creating the opening within the barrel itself, you're just removing that lid from the barrel. The, the barrel itself had the opening, it was already fit for you, so it just had a covering on it and you're removing it. This is a very important fundamental gemara, this, these words, and what this is relevant for is today when you have all the bottle caps, are you allowed to remove them on Shabbos? They sort of had a, you're sort of breaking it off. They're tightly affixed and with the metal sometimes in these soda bottles, and you have to break it off. Are you allowed to open them up on Shabbos? So based on this Gemara, you see that removing bottle caps on Shabbos is not an issue. There is a machlekes and paiskim about it, but uh, I believe that the Rebbe himself, uh, even publicly, would remove bottle caps on Shabbos without opening them advanced before Shabbos. And the basis is right over here, this Gemara, which is brought in Shulchan Aruch. There's a difference between making an opening in a garment, where it's an opening in that very garment itself, and a bottle cap that's, or a lid that's placed on a barrel that is a separate thing that you're removing on Shabbos. <clears throat> so now the Gemara brings up, since we mentioned over here, when you have two things that are attached to each other, so the Gemara brings up another Indian on this topic, that's uh, not directly related to what we're speaking about. Let's see. Rami le Rabbi asked Rabzeda the following contradiction. Tanan, we learned in one Mishnah, Shalol Shal when you have these pieces of garment that the cleaners, they would put together, if they had little pieces of garment, so they didn't have these sack bags that we have today, so they were afraid that these little pieces of garment are going to get lost in the wash, so they would, uh, they would sew them together. 
temporarily in order not to lose them. And it would sew them together even with a larger garment. So that's a shlal shal kaifsin, these little pieces of garments that the cleaners sew together. Shal shalas shamavtechis, or a ring of keys that are placed together. Vahabeged shuhutofer beklayim, and the garment that is uh, sewn together with klayim. Yeah, you have a wool garment and it's being sewn together with uh, linen threads. So all of these things are being put together temporarily, whether for convenience sake or for whatever reason, but it's, it's going to be taken out eventually. Chibor l'tumah. If they are put together in this way, just temporarily or for convenience sake, it's considered to be a chibor, that they are one entity. Regarding tumah, meaning if one piece of the garment, if one key became tameh, the rest of it all becomes tameh. Ad sheyaschil lahater until the person begins removing them. Even if it's not fully removed yet, but if the, if the person received these things from the cleaners and he already began removing one piece of garment from the other, so then it's not considered to be a chibur anymore. This is one mission that we learned in Mesechta Uktsin. So what do we see here? Alma, Shaloi b'sha'as molocha, nami chibur. Even not at the time of the molocha that it's being used for and therefore it's been connected, Still, it's, the fact that it's connected together in this way is a chibor. For, for the tumah, if one becomes tumah, the other becomes tumah. Only once the person begins unraveling it, taking it apart, then is it not a chibor. But until then, it's considered to be a chibor. Ramino, so now the question was asked from another Mishnah, Mesech Kalim, where it says, Makal sha'osa yad lekardem, you have a stick, a wooden stick, that you temporarily are sticking it into an axe to make it as a handle for an axe. Chibor l'tumah b'sha'as molocha. That's going to be considered a chibor, that now these two become one entity, only during the work when you're using that axe with this handle. So that's the Mishnah. So what do you see from there? B'sha'as molocha in, only during the time when you're using this axe in your work, then it's a chibor. Shalai b'sha'as molocha, but not during your work, loy. This temporary connection that you have between this piece of wood and the axe is not considered to be a chibur. Even if you didn't take it apart yet, but if it's not b'sha'as malacha, it's not a chibur. Before we said, even after the wash is done and you have these pieces of garments together, it's still considered to be a chibur. Amalei, so Rabzeda answered, Hosom, in the case of the pieces from the wash or a key, a, a, a chain with keys. Shaloi b'sha'as molocha, Adam osoi, so again, let's start again. Hasam, in the case where a person used a piece of wood uh, for the axe, to have a holder for the axe. Shaloi b'sha'as molocha, if it's not during the time of the molocha when he's actually using the axe, the person will throw away this piece of wood between <coughs> other pieces of wood. He has, he has no use of this piece of wood. He was just using it temporarily. He's not planning on keeping there at all. As, as soon as his job is over, he would throw away this piece of wood at all altogether. But haha, over here, when you have these things that are temporarily tied together, you have these pieces of garment that have been sewn together in a wash to keep them together, even after the wash is over, for the meanwhile, he's also happy with the fact that they are sewn together. If for some reason they become dirty again, he's going to wash them again, and he's going to wash them, he's going to want to wash them again in the same way, being sewn together, that you shouldn't lose them. So not until he takes them apart do we know that he's not interested in having them together. 
So therefore, in this case, it's going to be Makabal Tumah, it's considered to be this temporary Chibur, it's considered to be a Chibur until he begins taking it apart. The Gemara brings another statement in connection with this halacha. The Surah, in Surah, they learned the following upcoming halacha, in the name of Rav Chista. In Pompadisa, they taught it in the name of Rav Kahana. Others said it in the name of Rav. And this is what they said. Who is the Tana of this idea that we just learned here that Rabbanan said, which is, If you have two things that are connected together, even just for convenience sake, or even just temporarily, so then it's a Chibur. It's considered to be one item, and if one of one part of it becomes Tomei, the rest became Tomei. Like the, in the example that we just had, the little pieces of garment that are sewn together in a wash. Who is the one that said that that temporary connection is considered to be a Chibur for Tomei? Because we learned in another Mishnah in Kalim, base, hapach, when you have a little place. So, what we're talking about over here is an oven that is used, of course, for cooking or whatever. But over there, inside the oven, they had other little receptacles to be able to use for other purposes, for, for convenience sake. So, there's a base, hapach, there's a place that you can put a little flask in it, in the oven, to heat up. Or a base tavlin, a little receptacle in the oven that could be used for spices. Or base ner, a receptacle that could be used for a lamp. Okay, So this is before they had like stove tops where they can put things to cook. So this they had these little receptacles, shebekira, inside the ovens. So the question now is, they, these receptacles were attached to the oven. Do they become part and parcel of the oven itself or not? On one hand, it's not the oven itself. But at the same time, it is attached there for convenience sake to be able to have these uses. So what does it say here in this Mishnah? If the oven became Tomei because Tumei touched it, so these receptacles become Tomei along with it as well. But there's another way the oven could become Tomei. And we're talking, a bit about, uh, we're talking here about an earthenware oven, an oven made out of cheres. When it comes to cheres, there's a tumah by avir, which means if a sheretz or any source of tumah enters even just into this airspace of the oven without touching it, it becomes tumah. So that kind of tumah, that the oven becomes tumah, will not affect these little receptacles. But if the tumah touched the oven itself, then it will affect these receptacles. That's Rav Meir's opinion. Abshemin says, there's no chibur here, there's the oven, there's these little receptacles, they're two separate things, it's just there for convenience sake, and therefore there's no chibur, they don't become tome if the oven became tome. So Rabmei is the source to this concept, that you have these little receptacles in the oven that are there temporarily, and they're considered to be a chibur to the oven, and they become tome along with the oven. So the same thing would apply to what we said before, regarding a person temporarily connecting pieces of garment for convenience sake. So now the, the Gemara will further examine and question Rab Meir's opinion. We understand what Rab Shimon is saying. He is saying, his opinion is, that this is not similar to, it's not a real connection to the Kira. These little receptacles are not part of the Kira, and therefore they don't become Tomei together with the oven itself. But according to Rab Meir, if Rav Meir holds that they are a chibor, it becomes one with the oven itself. 
So then I fill a Bahabanami with me. Even if the source of Tumma, that the oven became Tumma, was because the Tumma entered into its ear space, so that should affect these receptacles as well that are part of the oven. If he does not consider it to be a connection that it's not one with the oven, so then I fill up a Maganami Loilitmu. So then even if the source of Tumma touched the oven, it also shouldn't make these little receptacles Tumma. Why the distinction between how the Tumma made the oven tummy, whether by touching it or by entering into its airspace. Really, the opinion of Rab Meir is that this temporary chibor, this for convenience sake, is not, it's they, these receptacles are not part of the oven itself. This whole thing that they should become tummy is a gzayrim et rabbanon. So then I feel about an ami litmu. They should make the gzeda for across the board, whatever the source of the tumma is, whether it's touching it or whether it's coming into the airspace. What's the, so the question remains? What's the difference? And for the gemara, of the rabbanan akeda, the rabbanan made a something that should be recognized. So that you shouldn't come to burn truma and kachim that became tumma through these receptacles that are only tumma with the rabbanan. You're not allowed to stam go ahead and burn truma and kachim. They're made. They have to eat them. <clears throat> if they become tummy, then they have to be burnt. But if they, if not, you're not allowed to burn them. So besides, if you remember, we learned in the Pedic of Bamem Adlikin, there was a brayse there that said that there's six cases where a person has to burn truma and kachim that became tummy with rabbanan or on a suffix tumma. But otherwise, if there's any tummy with rabbanan that made the truma and kachim tummy, you're not allowed to burn them. So Chachamim wanted to make a distinction that there's the gzayim with rabbanan that it becomes tummy, but still, if truma and kachim touch this, it should not be considered tummy to burn them. So therefore, they made a hacker that if the oven was touched by tummy, these receptacles will become tummy. If the tummy entered only by the ear space, it does not become Tomei. So the person will remember that this is only a Tomei Midrabbanon. One more related halacha the Gemara brings regarding this concept. Tomei Rabbanon, we learned in Abraise, Maspires Shal Prokin, a scissors that's made out of two blades that, that put, put together two blades. The Ismail Shal Rehitni, also some kind of a, uh, blades that are used for a, a carpenter that are put together of parts. Chibur Latuma, so they are considered to be a chibur, they are now considered to be attached as one regarding the halachas of Tuma. If one part became Tome, the other becomes Tome. The ain chibur la hazah. But there's no chibur for the halacha of hazah, which refers to the halacha of sprinkling the, the ashes of the Pada Duma in order to purify it. So if you're going to sprinkle the ashes, you're going to have to sprinkle on each part separately. What's the difference? Monavshach. If it is considered to be a chibur, and that they are one, and therefore if one becomes tame, the other does as well. I feel that chibur should work for the hazor, for the sprinkling as well, that you sprinkle one part, and that is metayr the other part. And if it's not a chibur, I feel So then for tume, it also should not be a chibur, and if one becomes tame, the other should not become tame. So Rava answers as follows. We're going to be machmer here. The point is, we're being machmer on both ends. Dvar teire, minat teire, v'shas malacha. While you're using these scissors, chibor, it's considered to be a connection. The two blades of the scissors that you're using now, it's it's a, a connection 
Bein Tomeh, both for the for the sake of Tomeh, if one blade becomes Tomeh, the other becomes Tomeh, and Bein Lahazah, and also for the Hazah of the sprinkling of the ashes of the Paraduma, that if one was sprinkled, the other one is already Tomeh. V'shalai B'Sha'as Malacheh, if it's not at the time of the Malacheh, so then Eine Chibah. It's not considered to be a connection as one. Not for the purpose of Tumah. And not for the sprinkling of the ashes. But over here, Chachamin made a Gzeref to be Machmer in both instances. The Gazru Rabbanon, the Rabbanon made a Gzeref al Tumah, <coughs> regarding Tumah, even not during the time when you're working with these scissors, that both blades should be considered as one, and if one blade became Tumah, the other is Tumah, even Shaloi B'Sha'as Malacheh. Because while you're using it, it's considered to be one utensil, and therefore it all becomes Tomei. For Tomei, it's considered to be a Chibar. So a Machmer regarding the Tomei across the board, whether it's B'Sha'as Malacha or not. <coughs> and the same regarding Azah. Val Azah, and we are Machmer, B'Negei to the Hazah, since Minatayre, Shaloi B'Sha'as Malacha. The Hazah does not work for one blade, for the other, so regarding Hazah, the Chachamim made the Gzeda Lachomer the other way around. And regarding the Hazah, the sprinkling of the Paraduma, even while you're working, and then it is considered to be a Chibur, since when you're not working with it, it's not a Chibur, so therefore Chachamim will Gzeda to be Machmer even while you're working with it. So that's the Pshad over here, that Chachamim will Machmer on both ends, that for Tomeh, it should always be considered to be one, and should always be Tomeh, and for Hazah, they were always Machmer, that you should have to sprinkle separately on both parts of the scissor, whether it's Bishas Malacha, whether it's Shaloi Bishas Malacha. That's the conclusion of the Gemara for today. Hatzlacha, Rab, everybody, and everything you do. Have a very, very great day.